Hi, everyone. Today, me and Endless Midnight Moon are going to be talking about her newest tapas novel, which is her anthology, Seeking Lull Tides. It is basically an anthology of short stories related to the cast of Beyond the Gray Skies, which is her main tapas novel project. And this will cover a number of different characters who are not main characters in Beyond the Gray Skies. So, Endless Midnight Moon, can you tell us a little bit more about the anthology? Okay, I think I'll start by reading it out. The anthology is like, this is an anthology series about the earlier events that surround my main work, Beyond the Gray Skies. It centers around many different characters as they try to survive the revolution that's up in the devil and trying to seek a change that they feel is permanent and one day they agree with. It takes place during an alternative world inspired by the French Revolution and Napoleonic Wars. I won't say it follows it very strictly. And honestly, I have no idea what am I going to include, what I'm not going to include. Mm-hmm. And also because a lot of the stuff he covers is it may not just be like just be purely about the revolution. It may also showcase it might also start moving to other locations to other places. And yeah, and a lot of this inspiration is like, you know, you know how crazy the French Revolution was. It wasn't it's like you read the the actual details, you'll find out the the tales of everybody who lived down there. People were kind of had very complicated feelings about everything. Right, exactly. So I think this can really help us gain a better sense of the scope of your world building, as well as learn a little bit more about some of the other nations that you haven't had that many stories written about. For example, Coppets, right? Do you think we'll have any stories that take place there from the point of view of a character there, for example? Actually, I do think I might actually just give me a good idea because I I really plan very hard, very much about what was it, was it going to include, what else is it going to include because a lot of it could also be a bit. There might be a bit of foreshadowing what's going on in the anthology too. So I won't lie that there might be some stories might there might foreshadow certain events in the future and yeah. And I think it's like the although I would start off, I would start start off a very familiar place. I don't want to start off immediately pushing you immediately to somewhere that you have no idea who half of these people are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So the first story you have here, which you published um, on August 15th, uh, 2021, the first part anyways, is called Leaving Behind the Pieces. And it's about one of the characters that you mentioned before on a previous podcast episode with you, Restituta. And she is Anibale and his sibling's mother, correct? Yeah, he is their mother, and it 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 wow. isn't really showcase a very the residue we will actually see where anybody feels and sees his mother because like that feels my mother is somewhat simple but not actually that complicated too, and mm-hmm. a lot is 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 somewhat simple but not yet but also quite complicated and and the fundamental is just like she, at this point this stage of life I would say what really really characterizes her is that she's she's quite she has she has to grow up very fast in the place that she doesn't really feel quite comfortable with she has to grow up very fast because she knows that she is her parents have kind of up and left her her only but the only person her, her guardians are but she just decent she's just a pretty decent person to take care of kids there's yeah but then Federico is, is pretty young I, I said I think what means I say how is to say this if I would say immediately it's like um if I feel as though what really characterizes her right now is something like um basically is this is this sentence over here you don't have to talk to me like that she had gotten used to it, but yes, it's like she had got because like she in sense it's like she's gotten used to dealing with, with adults say like in a very very like very very obedient sense in the very sense that she's been left she and her brother been left alone for most part to their mm-hmm. own devices for quite a while. Although Leonora tries, but like she's an old woman that there are some limits to what she can do. She can and cannot do. Mm-hmm, absolutely. 
So in the first part, I recall that they were moving from the convents, which they had been previously living at. Yeah, and right. they're, they're actually living with, uh, with Federico, the, the uncle, oh, yeah, who yeah. goes somewhere else that he's going to live with his sister because right now he has, I don't think he has even has a house yet. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. he's, still, he's still, because again, I think because Federico right now is 20 years old, like he has, he's been mostly living in, in, in Ravenna. He's been trying to, he's been trying to make it as a, as a lawyer, ironically. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So, I think this is a big change in the family's story, right? After this moving. And we're going to see a lot of, you know, literally leaving behind the pieces because they are leaving pieces of their past behind, especially with what happened to their parents. Mm. And actually, I think the most important reason I wanted to share with you the, 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 the third part of the story is because it does showcase a lot. It does shed light a lot of the, the, the tiny little things that, that showcases in before, like, that, that isn't sure the rest of that is because this is what Federico knows like honestly he had a very narrow little shave with like he had a narrow little shave though because like um actually should, should I say this he had, he, had, he had almost been he had almost been exiled mm-hmm. he had spent his time in the in a prison he had lost his he had lost whatever hell he had in in Ravenna it's like it's pretty it's pretty nerve-wracking for him and then now he's been now he's not now he's gotten out but then He's not saddled with the with the expectation to take two kids. It's not like the expectation was that was that he would eventually take them to Chichilia. Mm, I see. Is the expectation was just that he would take them to Chichilia and maybe because like um like if if they if they didn't do it, Chichilia would be considered considered belonging to a different separate family. So there's that so there's that the thing. So it has to be like has to be like something of a personal choice thing. And I, mm-hmm. and I because like um, how should I say this? I would say this also has to do with the mother Pompeia as a whole. And as a result, there's a re- there's a lot of things that the neither Pompeia nor Federico are telling are telling Restituta right now because she's still so young. And but then mm-hmm. it gives Restituta a sense of world weariness. Right, right, exactly. And, and I think yeah. Sorry, go, go ahead. Go on. Go, go, go on. Sorry. Yeah. So. So Restituta is someone who's gone through a lot, as you said. And I think this kind of impacts how she um, interacts with her own children, kind of passing on a world weariness to maybe some of them, right? Or rather, it's more like she's, she doesn't feel as though there's a need to shoot them from the very hard parts of life because it's, you know, it's a part of your life now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that, it's that element. It's like, also because like... Um, I, I think it's like we haven't really seen a lot of uh, what she cho- chose to do for her career, what she tried to, what she thought was a good idea. We're just seeing a very young person, but like, that work readiness made her feel so like, well, honestly, a child could really cope with it if they knew what it was. Like, she never really, it's like, on the one hand, she gave them all the love they, they ever had, but on the other hand, she never really tried to lie to them about how great the world was. Mm, I think that's realistic. I think she did a good job of balancing expectations with reality. And also because that she also had, very, I think by the end of it, she had very little expectations of her own when it came to raising her own children. But that at the end of the day, this world readiness would really bring her to a very a lot of different places. Uh-huh. And honestly, she would actually, she, I think it's like fundamentally that she and Federico would have a very good relationship fundamentally. And how should I say this though? Um, there's one more section. Um, uh, one more section. Okay, like, basically there's one section here that's reviews of Federico. It's like, I get it. You have almost been exiled, and basically, so even he's been doing a lot of stuff. Like he's not sure. He's trying. He's struggling here. Hmm. Exactly. And and also, although I can say that I think maybe Federico would both Restituta in the sense that the both of them would, ne- would always try to be the best kind of parents they could be, even though even even though they weren't exactly ready, but they but they kind of knew what it meant to like raise. They knew what it meant, and I think it's like 
Jejun had a strong influence on Federico. It's like he's she's the one who's really helping him figure out stuff and helping him help deal with all these things because he's very new and, and in a, in a sense it kind of really rub off on him in the future that he when he became a parent he was mostly he got he got really good and right now it's like you know he's a struggling lawyer but mm-hmm. then we we'll see his fate change his fortune change a little bit in the future. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So after this story, I see in your queue that you have um, a new story called Tempered Weeds, which is coming out in September. Um, I guess weeds, it without covers, spoilers. Not, yeah, go, go ahead. If, actually, go ahead. The spoilers for this series, it, it, it doesn't cover neither Vesicuta, it doesn't really cover Federico. Instead, it covers the complicated family relationship that I had, that I came up with for, for you know, um, for Vesicuta's former fiancé, Cosimo. Oh, I see. Interesting. So this is all kind of tied in with Restituta. The first story is about her as a kid. And now we have something about, you know, her uh, t- to be fiance, ex-fiance. Uh, ex, ex, ex-fiance. <laughs> right. Mean, actually, so her, her very ex, I mean, like, yeah, her ex-fiance. Yeah, that's why I think so too. And I think it's like, but I think like, I definitely cover one more part. It's like basically the only person who I think who really can get, where he can grab what what Restituta really is, is probably Chichilia. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see like, uh, basically, here's the thing, can I listen to your poems now? Restituta like them. They always felt so they swept her, they swept her up her feet. Hey, oh, child. Why is the cat? Many women, life isn't as easy anymore. She touched her cheek. She wants that, she wants, she wants Restituta like, have, to have some hopes of life, have her enjoy it while she can. I think it also comes a bit of Chichilia too. Like she's also a woman. She she's a poet though, and she likes to and she has a very she loves life as in general. And I think it's because like she always had some, and I think maybe yeah, it's like because like right now I think the secret is just that I'm trying to figure out is it because that she's she she has probably suffering with some illnesses nah, in the background, but then she never really she never really shows it very apparently though. But then it's like it probably won't be until way later though that it will that it will show up. It's just that right now it's like Chichilia loves life in general. She's she's kind of she has some issues with her health. And, and that, that has made her appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this part is very touching, you know, especially after how Restituta could feel her cheek warming with tears now. And, you know, that in the next sentence about her wow. mother and her father, that's really, that really conveys a lot of childhood feelings and memories, that. which, you know, she is starting to realize that this, this will not last forever. Yeah, and also because eventually she has a part that, and Chicha is telling her that don't worry about it so much now because it's not your problem right now. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I think that was fundamentally very important because like, said Rezida can grow up fast, but I don't think she really wants her to grow up that fast because like, it can be a very bitter experience, honestly. Because like, mm-hmm. to, to, to not have the chance to experience that childhood joy when you were a child, stuff. and she still wants that for it. And yeah, that's why I say Chicha will be, Chicha will be very, like, a very good person to, to, to take care of them. And, and honestly, it's because, like, how should I say this? There's another part of it that I never really showed that oh. it's, it's a bit about Pompeia, about why, about why is she living? Why mm-hmm. did she choose to leave? Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, like, I guess that was before you go into the garden. Yes, they are not my responsibility. They are my responsibility. And she entrusted them to me. But I don't know whether I should accept it. You're a good person. Perhaps that's why she cho- she chose you. Like there's an element of it that Pompeia didn't trust her family. She didn't trust because in this case, there's a chance that probably if Federico got exiled, there's a chance they probably pass to you know Cosimo's father, who is awful by all means. Oh, I see. That the Denver Weeds is referring to Cosimo here. Like he he's a, he has gonna have a very difficult relationship with his father, and it'll probably escalate to a lot of different places. 
Mm, I see. And we'll find out more in Tempered Weeds, right? Yeah, we will, we will find out more in Tempered yeah, Weeds. And I think the reason why it's like, this, this, this series, this, I don't know why is it that this series feels so, feels so dark, but it feels so sad yeah, like, compared yeah, to what I usually like, write. But then it felt like, it felt fitting because like, it gives Mr. Dua that said, it helps me to capture what really made her who she was, although there's still a hell lot more to her than just that. Mm-hmm, right, exactly. So the main reason you chose to wrote this anthology is to explore some of the minor characters in Beyond the Grey Skies and I think more of the world building, right? Yeah, and also more the background background characters that I never had a chance to explore. Maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes might be some explanation or might give you more details as to what exactly happened because like Kambea has appeared in the series a couple of times. But then her, but then she's a very she's not really she's somewhat complicated, but also somewhat not complicated. Mm-hmm, right, exactly. So on average, as you said on the Instagram live, each story in the anthology is about maybe five or four chapters. Uh, yeah, it I could go longer, but currently I don't, I don't see it because when I divide it up, it's like, I have to try to think, I just had to write it to a certain scene point that feels like it feels fitting to end. I don't really got a few very long, 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 very long chapters, right? I haven't gotten very long stories currently speaking. Just that right now, I, like, I can I can easily explore it now, like maybe 2,000, 3,000, maybe sometimes. I think Temple is off 5,000. I don't know how long it will be when I, when I actually get to the end. <laughs> right. And in general, um, I guess you don't really know yet how many stories will be in the anthology, right? Because they come. Might actually, I, I'm actually thinking about going to explore Nicolo's side of the family, and because I already know what's what's going to happen down there, and it and although it's part of it, it's because like, it, it would just show you glimpses. I think because the most of it, because like I have a very good. It's because of a certain idea of growth, like growth of characters, like as they grow along. Hey, yeah, Popea might appear in the future as a, as a character. Because I think her POV is going to be very interesting to write because right now she's kind of bitter. She's kind of bitter, gentle, and kind of cynical. Mm-hmm, right, exactly. And I guess, um, what else can we expect from the anthology? Mm, I might I choose might to explore like other like, characters who have never been appeared in the, in, the, in the series before, like, but I know what, what's roughly their story or why, or why are they here. And maybe, maybe there might be a bit of like tiny bit of foreshadowing here and there, but then I but then we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then I don't think I don't think anybody will feature very heavily into into any of this series at all. And yeah, it's just it's just like Restituta as a whole. It's a very like she's very what very but then a little on to go along. I might go. I might really do her make make more stories about her about oh, how she gets to where she is eventually. Mm-hmm. More of a more of adult, more of a teenage Restituta. So there's a there's a difference in that. And Nicolo Nicolo's gonna be. I can I kind of think that uh, Nicolo. I would show show his childhood where he came from. And maybe parts of his family that, that we never had a chance to see. Mm-hmm. That makes or sense. Or whether it just doesn't have a chance to see. And I think for me, parts of it is like um the next series is just to cover a bit of like the, the other characters that I didn't know about. And yeah, because like, you know, it's that basically Cosimo is also Renata's elder brother. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So mostly restituted and Niccolo and Nicolo's family. Right, currently right now that's what I have an yeah, idea yeah. and I might cover one more actually I might think about covering more of Coptic now because I don't have an idea in Coptic and now I really want to like, explore a bit more about it because like, um, now I understand the the now I, I'm not just doing oh, a lot more research currently speaking I'm more like um, trying to piece together things about certain parts of the of the world as I and then I slowly and then I slowly make my own like okay so what exactly happened down there and then try to figure it out and I think it's just like I think it's like I think another part of it is about Federico it's just like um, but it's more time it's still kind of 
kind of pretty pure. I guess he's still very new to things, and I think I tried yeah, to help him out and stuff, and some stuff. And Chicha trying to assure him that mm-hmm. because like he has a good heart, he's somebody with a very, very good heart in his, in his personal life. He never, he's not the kind that. And honestly, mm-hmm. though, because like Pompeia, Pompeia is a very decent person. Uh, she she she's pretty good at judging people, though. And honestly, she she kind of like was Federico much much more than well Lorenzo's other cousins. Uh-huh. Her and and I think she became really cynical after she found out about her family, though. But then but then we cover that in the future story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, this is a really great introduction to our anthology. And, you know, anyone who yeah, wants to subscribe, Maul, Maul please is. check out the subscription for a link to, you know, this anthology and also Beyond the Gray Skies as well. So I, is there- I, actually made, I think maybe another, ch- another question we can have, however, is like, um, why they are exactly write this anthology right now? Right. So why did you um, exactly choose to write the anthology right now? I think it's because back to the old podcast question was just like I had all these ideas I had all these certain little details that I think I figured out then I want to just put them into here and also secondly it's also trying to like I don't know it's just really experimentation like, because it allows me to do certain things that I don't think I would try in my main story because like, my main story has a lot of timelines I don't keep make sure things, things kind of fit together at the end of the day not fit together as well like, they have to like they have to cannot they cannot have incredibly long stretches of time when like we're doing it oh wait they get a date right again oh, oh my god can they actually get there in the same point whereas here I could I could do a lot of time jumping I could I could I could definitely skip forward skip back depending on what I really want to look at and it's because like also also trying to explore different stories that I, I don't know why maybe it's a tragedy maybe because I like I kind of like tragedies that's why I'm like why am I writing such sad stories but mm. you know what's the you know what's the first part of the next of the next of the next of the next chapter since this is gonna come in November it's gonna be out by then already because you know watch the coffin oh, as the first yeah. week's down <laughs> wow yeah it's definitely you know more negative than beyond the gray skies because when Russian coffee is raised to God he rubbed his tears in absolute fear his father hated tears to be seen in front and he scolded him he must not be emotional he told himself mm-hmm. but he misses so much he wanted her there but she was gone and he was now alone oh I got fixed that fixed that fixed that fixed that error then he fell on her and shoulder it was comforting his mother used to do that when he was younger and it comforted him it was not his father but he would never do this it was his cousin Federico who looked at him you know mm-hmm. it's a very very negative story <laughs> it's alright I I, yeah I, I get it but then I think for me the story is gonna have a more of a happy ending because I know where it's consumer gonna end up eventually you know mm-hmm yeah, right. I kind of really really kind of turn to an end. It's more like um I think goes for me is like the, the big events I have in mind kind of go down smaller as well as go along. It's like big events is like currently it's like I'm really focusing on Itoro about that about the situation without Itoro. It's like it's kind of mind it's kind of complicated and confusing because there was like because the problem the problem is that I remember I was actually reading out my tiny story, she's like, wow, there were so many kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Napoleon actually did them a favor. Oh my god, there were so many of them. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. the, the Republic of Venice, there was the, I think it was the Duchy of Parma. I know there's a couple other different duchies. There was the Papal States. There was the, I think by the, by the 18th century, it kind of looked more better than it was in the 17th century. It was, it was, it was like, what, what, what is this map? There's like all these little things all over this. The Holy Roman Empire of the Mixed Baby Jesus Christ. <laughs> I see. 
yeah, it's it's really commute. It's like honestly because like um, it's it, I feel so like because like the, I'm trying to come in how it will be at that eventual situation. I might even cover Ransi as a whole and cover most of what happened on there. Actually, I actually had an idea for anthology initially, but I was like I couldn't really get it to work, or the story was just didn't feel quite right. Whereas this one was just like I was just exploring the background of the story. It was a lot easier because the previous one I think I had a very different feel. And honestly, do you know, do you know why is this is named Seeking Lautites? Mm-hmm. It took me so long to finally come up with a name because at the moment when I get that it was Tales of the Revolution. Oh, I see. I, I didn't think that was very fitting because at the end it's like it, did, it will only be very specific to one thing where yeah, I wanted something more general because that at the end of the revolution has a lot of ripping effects and I wanted to show you that at the end of the day like, if that when it, when it started to happen it started ripping all over the places then it started you say it allowed us you know you know the age of like the first half 19th century was like why were there so many revolutions mm-hmm, right just exactly. really, like, there was like there was, you know the Poland had a high like I think they say the, po- the Polish had a, had a revolution every generation wow wow yeah, yeah, I mean, they did. Yeah, the last one was like the last, the last final one. I think before the before they restored as a country it was eighteen sixty three, but before them was 1840 and like they had they had a revolution every generation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I wanted to cover the effects more and more about yeah. what it meant to like as it went bigger. And I'm early for me because it might also be like also yeah. it also might cover parts like the you know being between like um. By covering the, the, the transition from a republic to an empire because like um because because like uh, I finally had a chance to really read up about, about the French Revolution about why it ended like it ended the way it did. It's because at the same time on one hand I feel I was reading this really amazing novel that's called the The Women of Chateau de la Fayette. Okay. Isn't I can't show it. I, I don't know why my my tangent, but it but it kind of but, but this was very recent. But then it's like it, it kind of showed it, it had one part where it said like the reason why why it was like so mad because like you're choosing between mob between the, the between an insane mob on one hand and completely corrupt aristocrats on the other hand. And you are and are you surprised that the the, the fans just went crazy? <laughs> <laughs> because like the both options are equally horrible. <laughs> And I wanted to really explore that here. Although, although in Toro is this situation is just like, I'm, I'm actually going to showcase more of the. It's not so bright and happy because like I think for me it's like the end point is going to cover is like it's going to cover the the extremely complicated situations. We might even cover a few uh characters cut in stuck in a few field revolts. We might, we might actually I'm actually thinking about focusing more on the Dundari Empire as a whole. Like they were very they were very interesting as a whole because like um yeah they, 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 they their biggest strength was not the biggest weakness. Mm, I see. Right. Yeah, the so, ability to integrate people now became their biggest weakness because, especially like the nationalism, like yeah, that really screwed the Ottoman Empire over. Mm-hmm, right. Like, it was still okay before it, before that became a thing. Mm-hmm. So definitely much more world building and finding out more about the other nations as well and more of the yeah. politics. Mm, yeah, a bit of politics. I won't say it's I didn't say I'm I guess I'm I like to really focus on the very small characters. And I, I think for me it's like I don't know why why do people always have to write about kings, but writing about kings can be quite hard because like everything every decision they make is gonna it's gonna have extremely ripply effects. But mm-hmm. then if you write about kind of small nobodies and actually Federico's gonna be in a very interesting position in a couple of years. So mm-hmm. like you might cover that how he got there in the first place because it's 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 a pretty hilarious story. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to find out how he gets there. 
Yeah, he, I mean, the, I mean, the first place that like, you know, you know, he's like, he's like when I introduced him in the first series, like he's this, he's this like prime minister. He's 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 been a very long. He's like a chancellor now. He's been there for quite a while. But then this is a much much younger Federico, and he and he's like absolutely panicking about raising two kids. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. But then again, but then again, imagine if you're twenty years and and suddenly suddenly say you're now the war of two kids. I would say you freak out too. <laughs> yeah, it says that he feels nothing but abject terror throughout the trip in the carriage. He wasn't sure how yeah. to handle children in his limited experience due to being the youngest in the family. Yeah, he was the youngest of three. And, mm-hmm. and the last child his mother ever had. Oh, yeah. So he always has been babied. He's yeah, always seen an... himself as the child, but now he has uh, to take to care an of children. Extent, another yeah. another aspect of him being not being completely baby was that his father was a very stern man, and he and Lorenzo never really got along. Actually, Cosimo, actually, uh, actually, the funny funny story is that Rettida may have wanted to name my child Cosimo, but the problem was there was a Cosimo the elder and a Cosimo the younger. What was oh. that? Because Cosimo the third. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's a very good yeah, point. It was a very sad affair. Like she wanted to name as Cosimo. Nicolo was perfectly okay with it, but like the, the child be called Cosimo the third. I don't want to name him. My son may start with that name. <laughs> I mean, because there was a, there was a real Roman Empire who, was, who really got who really got stuck with that name, Gordon the Third. His grandfather was Gordon, his his father was mm. Gordon, so he became Gordon the Third. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's like I, I might cover a bit more of a naming trivia on this, where it's like uh anybody was one of the few names they could agree upon. Yeah, it's it's not a very common name, is it? Uh, not particularly, but I think it's there was some ancestral background to the name. And I, I might it's because like this because you know sometimes like, you know what's the funniest part I thought I thought about anybody. I like, I I was I was a bored and I was thinking what what I was thinking like what's it was anybody that I know that somebody there was some there was some there was some Italian count who was, who was named in who was named Anibali or something that I forgot what I forgot where it was but I was, I was just laughing when I saw it. But yeah it's a it's a <laughs> relatively uncommon but sometimes it pops up kind of Italian name. Oh, I see. Yeah, it, it is pretty unique because it means Hannibal. Let me just check. Let me just check. But it's one time it's like it's it's big enough that you can you can just rely on this. Uh this immigration. Uh yeah. I I mean but it's one time research is my favorite thing to do now. I might be covering the, the Russian, I might be going to Russia next. Oh, really? For a very good reason. Russia is going to be a very interesting place to be. Oh, awesome. Yep. And just check. And also because like um how should I say this? It's like Russia is gonna be a because I think it means that Russia is that it's that Napoleon's real downfall started from Russia. Oh right, that's true. Oh, there's yeah. that many Anibales. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was it was I think it was this one, right? I don't think so. Uh that many Anibales. I'm looking for a, a 1760 something one. No, probably maybe 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 early twenty. Yep, there was a lot of anybody's. What can I say? <laughs> There's a lot, yeah. Yeah, so it's a somewhat common name. Someone not entirely. There's even a film. <laughs> yeah, but mostly in the fifties. I noticed that. Yeah, it's not very modern. I think most of most people called anybody are in like the, the way in the past. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, also, also because like she was maybe after some illustrious ancestor in the past, because there was no other name left that she could she could think of. <laughs> so, do they usually choose names based on people who are already named that way in their family? They don't choose mm-hmm. ones that have never appeared in the family. 
Uh, I think it's because she like kind of she kind of like the name to be fair. But then it's like Nicolo had, but then Nicolo had a few ideas, and yeah, but then it's like it's more famous people like Nicolo. What the name is name is on something like Nike Nike follow. Mm-hmm. Basically, because it's because like it's probably probably like uh you know like basically it's because like it's a very it's a very interesting name. It's like it's Greek because he's Greek, you know. But right, like Italians right. have a, a lot of Italians have very Greek names, and mm-hmm. because he's you know, he's from Deolia, he's he's very very like Deolian. But then he's not getting me after his father or his brother because she says she can't stand the name Constantine. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think when Mister said like, it was like she's very picky about names because like I mean Anibale when you came up just it says it is Anibale, but it, Amaranda was definitely Nicole's idea. Mm-hmm. Aridia, I'm not so sure. Aridia, I think I think it's a bit of both. Like on one hand, it's like she kind of on one hand, it's like, she kind of like the name. On the other hand, Nicole had no idea what the name of daughter anymore. So she just wanted one daughter, Amaranta, and then she said, "If I had a son, I would name him Nikifo." Yeah. Like he never imagined having a very large family. Mm, I see. And in in his point of view, what is considered a large family? Like five kids? I think four. Okay. Yeah, I mean honestly because he, he was he was the he was the middle of five. It's like he wasn't completely ignored as a child. But then he but then I think I think he also saw the not so fun parts of his about his parents' life because like they, they kind of were kind of kind of poor, although yeah. they somehow managed to keep their keep like three to five kids fat and it's like that's kind of amazing. But then it's like um but then the, yeah, then it's just like he doesn't really want to repeat of that. And honestly, he's kind of a guy who he doesn't really want to like repeat his parents' mistake. And I think I'll definitely mm-hmm. cover a bit of that in his family. There's also like other family members who might think differently. And also because like, one of his poor brothers is uh what, what I should bring I should bring up the let me just bring up the website again. Uh not wrong one. Like one there's a reason why he never named it after his brothers. One of them is is you know. Hercules, Heracles. Mm-hmm. Okay, like you know the uh, also she she wasn't really that that interested in name either. And uh, basically the other brother's name was something really really oh. long. <laughs> yeah, no way, no way. She said no way to this oh, one. Oh wow. <laughs> I, I, even he, even he's gone. Even he's he's agreeing. He said he, I'm shorting it most of the time. I never use this name. Mm-hmm, right, it is pretty hard to pronounce. I think for a lot of people. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> per, per person and yeah, and also I say, but then although you say, but it's like I think it's because like uh, yeah, I feel I feel so like when I name my credits, I I don't really try very hard. But it's like um, yeah, I'm I actually she never actually there's a couple other names that maybe that could be more palatable, but then Nicole just never really talked very hard about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And honestly, because like, it was like a like he was very like he was very happy. He was very convinced that Yesidina would eventually actually warm, warm, warm up the name Nikifolo. Actually, I would think she, she was very very interested in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it was like uh, there's also like uh, I also there's a reason why not it's not Alfonso. Alfonso is painful. <laughs> yes. Alfonso is a painful memory for her. Mm-hmm. And she remembers she mourns him, she loves him, but then naming my son it's after him, uh, maybe not. It, it it's just too uncomfortable with me. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, is there anything else you'd like to cover about your anthology, or? Mm, I will definitely say, but oh, there's one more. It's like Chichela has like, we have, actually there's also Fausto, which is Chichela's um husband. Might see him a lot more in the future too. Now he's 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 gonna be like uh, eventually he's like um he's a pretty chill guy, honestly. Mm, I see. Yeah. Pretty chill guy. Um, rich, rich but chill, but he doesn't really like. He knows he's not very involved in the political things and he mostly just stay out of the whole affair because like because like after after he sees what it does to Lorenzo he's like no way 
Yes, definitely. And yeah, after I see what he does to Lorenzo and his family, it's like, it's like completely no way because like, um, because like honestly, because like, actually, because I'm actually basing it off the fact that a lot of the, a lot of the French Revolution, you know, the generals, a lot of them got, got in, the, the wives got in prison. I mean, what the hell? But what, what? It was a real thing. Mm-hmm, right. Because they yeah, wanted so to they punish might, the whole family, right? Yeah, because like, one very famous person was the Empress Josephine and her husband. Right. She was in prison. Mm-hmm. Another famous one was like, you know, AJ, you know, the, ma- the Marquis de Lafayette? No, I don't think so. Oh, There's okay. A, yeah, it says his wife was also in prison. And her, and her sister and her mother and her grandmother all were executed. Mm, yeah, that's, I that's think... very, very mm-hmm. extreme. It is extreme, but I think they wanted to just like, you know, stop anyone from possibly taking part in the revolution or just punishing all of them, right? Yeah, so like, uh, so like it was like very insane, and like oh, I think I think I follow that policy. We can do someone like Pompeo, although like her family had helped her out a lot in preventing anything from happening to her. But like, she said, you know what? She had a reason why she just said screw you and just left. Mm-hmm, exactly. I mean, I'm actually I'm actually thinking that story might be really about her and her feelings because like she has she's she's she has a very complicated feeling with everybody now mm-hmm. in her life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think this is this will probably cover up about it. It's like it, and honestly, because it also I think for the many it's because like Resident Girl is kind of kind of an orphan, but not quite. It's like she has people carry out for her, looks after her, but it's like they're not they're not going to be her mother or her father particularly. Mm-hmm. And then and that makes her slightly more like you know the it also adds to the world very nice because like all those like oh they do genuinely care for her they do but then she kind of gets it that she's kind of on her own now she's gonna eventually to make her own way in the world although like honestly because like, even currently speaking she's like her entire like her entire family's money money's have been confiscated they don't mm-hmm. have much money anymore left like Federico has become from his fortune the title like it's all locked behind they've been attained like, you know what's attaining attainment right. Mm-hmm. That makes it's sense. It's like a like a like a feudal system thing where they say, okay, because you did this, you did this. I'm just I'm just gonna cut your future children from anything inheriting anything. Mm, I see. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like even so like even residents going, she's gonna be needing to make her own way in the world. Like like she marries, she probably had to. It's like she either relies on the charity, other people to provide for her, for a diary, or she figures it out. Eventually, I think I would definitely say that she definitely figures it out on her own. Mm-hmm. Is, right. I mean, honestly, honestly, Nicole, Nicole is no great catch when he when when we see him the first in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I think no, we're gonna learn like, more about that too. Yeah, and also because like uh, like in all relationship it's just like uh, Nicole is like okay, I fun it's a social social status like Nicole is not was not an equal, but then at the point in time she was also a commoner, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, so. so- Thank you so much for sharing so much about, you know, what we, what's in store for the anthology and what we're going to be learning more about, especially about Nicolo, Cosimo, and the other characters. We'll be reading more in depth later on. You know, th- that's very exciting. And I can't I wait to learn more. We'll be seeing a very young Renata in the, probably in those early chapters. So like, like, she's a kind of a, I would say she's a rebel. I would, I would definitely say she's a rebel now. Like, mm. like you know, she never got married, like all that stuff. She kind of, she's probably like she never really like. It might seem, but but Cosimo, it, how it also affects like people. Like her his sisters will end up who like they are also they are also mothers now too. They have to figure out that it, and and they, and, they, and 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 Cosimo is not a very warm man. He just sees his son as a as a as a as a as a bargaining chip to get glory, and his daughters as a bargaining chip to get rid of bad or get rid of debts. Mm-hmm, exactly, right. So that's another, you know, we also read about Renata as well. So that's very exciting. 
yeah, and I think Rosa, that would be a much more different Renata because Renata is like um Renata like be a much more different person because Renata you kind of showcase Renata, Renata like how she goes by again. Initially she's gonna be very young. Mm -hmm. Right. So yes, a lot of things are in store for us in this anthology. And is it updated every two weeks? Mm, once uh once a week, but then I'll take a break between the chat between the between the stories. Mm, right, exactly. So that's good. Right. So everyone just subscribe to Seeking Little Tides by clicking the link in the description. And also Beyond the Gray Skies is also yeah, in the description as well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank on. you so and much. I, I just have I'm just enjoying. I just don't know why, but this anthology just made me. Okay, it's just so much, a lot of fun for me to write. It's it's more, it, it helps me to like uh, get away from the uh, from the fact that my narrative is like I have to, I have to like I I have to follow certain things. I I can I cannot really break too much away from it. Although it's definitely a lot of fun, but I think this is more this is more poignant. This is definitely a bit more, more more like more like showcasing different glimpses and it's not so like um how do I say sometimes I feel I like uh, not very camp not what's the word for it mm, I think it's more like it doesn't feel very slice of life really it doesn't it does have it doesn't really give you that sense of like of like growth and adventure or progression that I think that you get yeah my series because I, I I go a lot into business I go a lot into things like that happen as they go along and I also go a lot to like deal making and I also I do that a lot but here I don't think I was doing it so much because it's just it's it's not it's not a novel or something like that so I don't need to show it as much. <laughs> Right, exactly. So it feels like you have a freer structure somehow. That's yeah, that's what makes I, it so I fun. I wouldn't trade it for for Beyond the Risk guys. Because it's still quite fun for me. It's just like this is like a, a way to step out of my usual mm -hmm. methods and to also like also to give like these characters that they have developed so well a chance to like tell their stories in a very different setting. Right, exactly. Thank you so much again. No problem. All right. Thanks. See you. Bye. Bye.